0: This is uh, well. Why don't you guess? Give it, give it a sniffy sniff. I need a palate cleanser because I had a
1: piece of chocolate. Yeah. So everything's gonna taste like a hint of chocolate.
0: What does it smell like? It's it's too cold, huh? It's like ice cold. It is.
1: It tastes. I mean, it smells familiar and it tastes familiar, like something you've made before. Kind of the citrusy hoppy thing that this seems to be your
0: your your thing is citrus hop. No. Oh. I do not like how this beer turned out. I'm just letting you know. Why? Well, I'd like to, before I bias you, I'd like to hear your. So I'll just go ahead and say this is a, I'm calling this a double vanilla milkshake IPA. It's got, uh, I took like five vanilla beans, scraped them and uh, cut them up and made like a, my own vanilla extract for a couple of weeks. That went into this. And then uh, it's got lactose.
1: It's just way too cold right now. Yeah. I'll uh, we'll have to let it sit here okay. for a bit before I can actually judge it, because right now I'm all, get, all I'm getting is the citrus and, and a, a bit of the hoppiness, but um, beyond that,
0: Some people much. think there is way too much vanilla on this. I don't. And then you can't even taste the vanilla or can't even smell mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. But you couldn't taste the strawberry on my strawberry milkshake beer.
1: Well, no, I won't say that. I am getting a bit of vanilla smell right now.
0: It, it'll probably come out as it warms up. Yeah. In fact, I remember on that strawberry beer that as it warmed up, the vanilla came out a lot more. Hmm. Anyway. The strawberry came out more? Or the vanilla? No, vanilla. Vanilla did. Anyway. Well, um,
1: I'm always appreciative when you bring beer, especially since I haven't had a beer in a while. So,
0: Yeah, this Thank one, I, again, I don't want to bias your, your review on it, so I'll wait. But I th- I'm hoping it will over the next couple of weeks as it conditions a little bit more, it'll... um the things I don't like about it will dissipate anyway. Enough with that.
1: We should bring 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 it in again after it's had a chance to mature a bit, and yeah. then
0: and then we'll do well, another tasting. So I'll give you a preview of what's to come. Um, I just transferred, so I'm making a a an imperial stout aged on ancho chilies, cacao beans, and <laughs> or sorry, cacao nibs. It'll be. You gotta supplement. emphasize that. And huh? then and, and vanilla. And that's actually that's aging on those adjuncts right now. Um, probably in a I don't know, a week or so, I'm going to transfer, I'm gonna keg half of that and transfer the other half onto uh oak. So that will sit there for three months, probably sometime around there. The one that gets kegged will be available for immediate consumption. And then I'm also right now I'm fermenting a uh I don't even know what to call it. It's just a, a pale ale, but it's got, uh, it's got a good dose of Vienna malt uh, and also wheat, and it's all Cascade hops. Mm. So just a nice, you know, kind of five and a half percent pale ale with some, I don't know, whatever.
1: I'm impatient, so I've been, I took another taste and the vanilla really came through on this. On yeah. That. But yeah, this is just way too cold. Mm-hmm. And I don't do the... Slurping thing you do. I don't know why you do that. Just is there to, is there some science behind that? Like yeah, it's called, getting more air. It's into called it? annoying my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you do that. Well, I, I see, I see, I, I see some beer drinkers do that, and I see a lot of wine people do that. Well, I'm a wine guy. You know that. That's why I do that. But I've always tried it. and I'm like, I don't, I don't. I, it doesn't help me taste it. Like in between tastes, I'll take a, a deep breath sometimes. Well, but, yeah, yeah, but because you're not because during. It's
0: your retro uh, nasal for your olfactory. It, it you actually taste things differently uh, yeah. and better usually.
1: But I don't try to mix in the air with it, like doing that slurpy sound. I just it no. just doesn't really
0: do anything for me. But, but I'm not convinced of the science of it, so it could all be in my head. But I, I don't, and I don't know if it's oxygenating the liquid or if it's simply aerating it. Um, if it makes like better p- contact on your palate, or if it's it's if it's um, air I think what's what's happening is it's aerating it um, in your in your mouth, right? Mm-hmm. And it's causing a lot of the volatile compounds to aerosolize in your mouth, which causes them to travel up your retronasal hmm. and, and to your olfactory.
1: It sounds like something people who want to annoy people
0: it try is. to do to justify oh, the have, sound. I have yeah, <laughs> I have very elaborate justifications for yeah, every annoying thing I do in life. Just ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just own it. Yeah,
1: unless I'm feeling extra nice or I don't know sheepish, I don't want to deal with it. We have um we have some community topics I thought we'd get to today. Um,
0: let's uh, let me let me get. I've got some just random rent some randos. Are these some random quickies, news? yeah, just to get there and then maybe do those. Does if that makes sense? You know, because yeah. I think they will be more. Those will be more topical, more more uh, germane.
1: Probably because I have some things I wanted to ask you too. And I, I'm I don't know which ones are gonna inspire a long conversation. I no, are trying to keep it short. So
0: yeah. go. Well, I first I wanted just a little PSA. Um let's see. One second, one second. Dead air, dead air. I know. Do you want me to talk? Um no, but I don't understand why. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Um this is for people going to Dreamforce and we all we all know how that's what I was going to uh vamp with <laughs> oh really what are we going to say about it
1: oh just that we have we have a uh, on our website we have a a form where you can go and kind of RSVP just so we can get an idea of how many people are gone
0: yeah so let's I guess um let's uh make sure we cover that in our in our closing but yeah where there's a happy hour that you can sign up for but this is, see, this is a tease again uh, oh. professional this is a professional uh uh, tactic here, so you have to wait till the end to find out how to sign up for the happy hour at Dreamforce. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but if you are going to Dreamforce, just be know that, or just be be warned that uh, California is in the midst of a statewide like massive hepatitis outbreak.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say fire.
0: No, well that too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't know about that.
0: Yeah, you're either going to get diseases or you're going to you know get smoke inhalation. But apparently, it's co- it's been uh, the, the the I guess public health experts think it's caused by like locking or shutting down these public bathrooms and effectively relocating homeless people to congested areas and in, like intense cities and stuff. Hmm. Um, so it, I guess it's just you know it's spreading more easily. Um, also, in you know certain cities, I, I'm not sure if San Francisco's involved in this, but they 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 banned plastic bags. What you know are illegal. Like you know you have oh, a lot yeah. of these these hippy dippy cities, <laughs> and they um, you know. They don't, you have to bring if you don't bring your own cloth reusable full of of uh, dangerous microbes bag to put your <laughs> your raw produce and stuff in. Can't you th- wash those? Then they, they, they just guilt trip you. You know some, they're gonna start. I mean, you probably get arrested in San Francisco for that.
1: I'm sure you can wash the bags. Now whether or not yeah, people do or is that that. a different
0: story. Yeah. But yeah, they, so they they some of these cities have banned plastic bags. So th- the problem with that is that it deprives homeless people of you know alternative means of disposing of their waste. No, they especially they just to use, when They need use when the reusable no bags too. And thanks to Twitter, there are no bathrooms. So, and so now they have no bathrooms, and they have no so, plastic bags. Well, hold
1: on, <laughs> what you made that sound is like Twitter's responsible for keeping the homeless in bathrooms.
0: What no, they're, they're, no, they're responsible for keep kicking for removing their bathrooms. We talked about this. Twitter no, I know had that, all the bathrooms removed near their office. I know. I'm just saying. And, and now, the they, you have, it, now it they have it. Now they have like... hepatitis-laced poop all over their sidewalks. <laughs>
1: Uh, so, so the more you know, do we need the...
0: I mean, so, yeah, where, where, what is that called? What is that clip called, John? I don't know. The more you know, isn't it? Uh, is that what the it is? The more you know? See, I think it had some weird name, and then I renamed it to probably something that makes more sense. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I need to find that. Anyway.
1: I'm sure you'll find it, and then you can just randomly inject it somewhere and be like, there it is.
0: What would it be called? More? Maybe. No. I thought it was called like happy. No. PSA.
1: <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what your system is. I don't know how you catalog
0: your system. That's, is it this? What do you have it as? Now, I, okay. I'm going to have to show you this. Because I remember now this, there's something weird with this. It's The file name is not even a name. It's, it's got our episode two. It's got two colon. It's nice to get a payday. I'd, somehow or another it got it's like got our it's some episode metadata in the in the file hmm. anyway wow, this, this is really exciting podcast <laughs> material here uh, okay I think um, it gets better I hope it gets let's, better let's move along Um there was a bug sorry for the lip smacking ugh I annoy myself sorry
1: don't you have your fancy little mute button that we that you got us no it
0: doesn't work with oh, dynamic right. mics you remember you
1: can't I've been
0: trying to use no them. I mean it doesn't what is this this is a condenser mic yeah it doesn't work with condenser mics if they require phantom power so Anyway, uh, so I I discovered a bug in the Salesforce I guess compiler whatever it is um a, I don't know a month or two ago, and it basically has to do with let's say you've got a Visual Force page and a Apex class, hmm. and or you know a controller for the Visual Force page, and the controller has some uh, property called stuff right, and you and you reference that in your Visual Force page, and you, know, you you reference the stuff property. And then um, later you said, "Well, you know what? I'm not. I don't need this stuff anymore." So you edit your Visual Force page and you remove the reference to stuff. And then you go into your controller and you delete that line or lines that have a stuff property. Mm-hmm. And then you do a deployment that, and you deploy those two. Well, it's not going to deploy because even though you're sending the Visual Force page that no longer has a reference. And the apex class where you've removed that property, even though you send them the same deployment, it uh, there's a bug and Salesforce will reject it, and they'll say, "No, nope, your Visual Force page still references that because it's trying to check the page first. I, I guess so. It doesn't. It's just not smart. It's, uh, it needs. It's trying to do a single pass instead of a multi-pass. It's probably they probably because this is I this has got to be new, or else I would have hit this a million times before um, it's pro- they probably you know optimized the compiling to make it faster or something and so it probably does like a, uh, you know less passes fewer passes or something mm. um, so what you, but you to- can
1: upload a class that a Visual Force page is dependent on without it throwing an error so you'd have to do your class first and then update your page I think
0: well um, I mean the problem was I have both I've got, again, well, I, this is not code that I even wrote. So I've got all this. I mean, it's, and it's not just, in my case, it wasn't just one class and one visual course page. We're talking about dozens, right? So,
1: <laughs> oh, so what you're saying is this is the system was developed and there were some changes made. And when you went to try to deploy this to production, because of the order of operations, it was throwing you, it was, wasn't letting you do it.
0: Because of something that they're doing wrong, right? It's, and so what I had to do was basically, Go. I, what I did was I edited all these for every error message. By the way, it only does one of them at a time. So I would add a property to the. I'd add just a dummy property back to the Apex class. Then mm-hmm. I'm going to deploy, and it would. So that error message would be gone. But now I would get to some other thing, the Visual Force page reference that was also oh. deleted from the class. And so I'm just doing it one at a time. Of course, it's a, this is part of a big deployment, so it takes, you know, like ten minutes each time I do this. Was this a validate, or this was, we're going live? No, it's a deployment to a, a sandbox, a QA sandbox. Oh. Um, you know what I would have done? Which so, I've done So, before. by the way, so I'm going to have to do this when we actually deploy, if this bill passes. If I'm, when I deploy to production, I'm going to have to do this all over again. And a bunch of other manual stuff, by the way. This was, this is one of those things, this is why you really should deploy very often and have really tight, like, uh, sprints, or whatever you want to call them, with your Salesforce development, because... Yeah the metadata api is just not up to the task for doing anything other than that there's just so many bugs there's so many limitations uh it's, man, and this 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 deployment also involved a, a lot of deletes and god there's so many bugs in the metadata api around deletes it's just tragic
1: well if you want a tip what i what i've done in the past is i've gone into production and just not not even commented out i deleted all the markup in the page until it was just an empty page tag and then deploy. Not in production. When you go to production.
0: Yeah. And, and, the other, and It'll save you the one-off stuff. The, the other the other suggestion that some people have is well why don't you um why don't you uh, what was it deploy your all your Apex classes first and then your Visual Force pages, right? Well again this is this is a big deployment. So there's there are actually there are lots of new Visual Force pages as a part of this deployment. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these Apex classes have static references to those visual force pages like return, you know, what is it, page dot, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um I was going to say that's something. And so work I can't I can't deploy my Apex classes first and then my Visual Force pages <clears> because <throat> those Apex classes have references to those Visual Force pages. And that will, you know, that'll be a compiler as well. Uh the real thing that burns about this whole bug here is that I identified this a couple months ago, worked for some people at Salesforce to figure out what the story was on it. Um, they were slating it for being fixed on winter 18. And I'm testing, I'm, I'm doing this deployment in a winter 18 sandbox, and it's still, I'm still getting this bug. Hmm. And so I go search for this known, it's a, it was a known issue, there was, well, there's one of these uh, IDs for it. And so I go to search, and the known issue has been disappeared from the web, and from the known issue site. And uh, so anyway, um, apparently it's just, it's not, it's, it has been set to not, you know, won't fix or whatever. This is a won't fix. And I'm just like, how can this be a won't fix? Uh, but anyway, I know that mean, well, I, this it, This is affecting a lot of people. It's also, I know, affecting a lot of people You know, at Salesforce and a lot of customers, so I, I think this is going to, I'm, I hope, I have hope that this is going to be this issue is going to be resurrected and they're going to fix it because it's just, it's untenable. You, I, can't, it, is, I won't be able to do any any deployments with this bug.
1: Is it it won't fix because it's a Visual Force thing? Don't ask
0: me why it's a, I don't, why, why would it not? Visual Force is important, right? You can't not fix major deployment bugs that
1: I mean, I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me that if another two years from now, Visual Force is deprecated in favor of Lightning. I mean, Visual
0: Force is still a wrapper for so many things. True, and but, it, but it what Salesforce can do anywhere. is
1: say, yeah, "We don't support it anymore. Do everything in Lightning now." And then, you well, know, the, any Salesforce you
0: is have. still Salesforce is still promising support for a very long time on all this stuff. That's that's what their support. words are. That's what support, their words are. But
1: are bug fixes considered support?
0: I don't what, know. If they're not, then what? Uh, what is it? If bug fixes aren't support, what are bug fixes? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, related is the black hole of, uh, of managed packages that you and I talked about the other day. Do you remember? So I'm, I've got um, uh, what was it? In production. What are you doing over there? Who are you chatting with?
1: I'm trying to keep track of titles.
0: Okay, good. <laughs> Do your job. Um, reprimand. No, so uh, this is in production. Um getting uh, emails about flows that are f- failing. You know, this all failed to trigger a flow or whatever, right? So I get, oh, this, yeah. I get this email and it's got, you know, like 14 failed flows, but they all fail due to, um, r- you know, rollback because something else in the transaction failed. Right. right. So it didn't seem like the flow itself was failing. It's something else related to it, but it was causing all the flows to, to roll themselves back as a part of the transaction rollback. Um, but in this org, you know, there's a lot of, um, well, first of all, there's just a lot of stuff. There's tons of Apex and triggers, and there's, unfortunately, um, lots of process builder and, and flow stuff. And there's also, unfortunately, lots of um, managed packages, um, a lot of small ones, but also a couple of incredibly giant ones. And when you're, you know, so when it enable like, you know, some detailed logging and, and we're, you know, reproducing these errors and trying to figure out what's causing this. Yeah, and the problem is, is like once, once it goes into man- a managed package, you know, it you hit this black hole of logging where you can't see what's happening because right. it's supposedly protecting, not giving me logs and not letting me um, monitor my system in any way is somehow protecting someone's IP. If someone can explain Which that, to me, please let me know. But I it mean, doesn't I make really think in terms of logging, it shouldn't be hiding that. But also, what I and I I could be wrong, in this, but this is certainly what seems to be happening. When a when you go into when the code enters a managed package, and you know it says in the log entering managed package, right? And I'm going into our the black hole. We'll see. Yeah. You'll see on the flip side, um, if if that managed code uh, does some kind of DML that results in triggers happening that are your unmanaged code, it doesn't seem to be. You don't get logs for those. And also, what and it could be related to the fact that what I think is happening is when this managed code is doing these DML things, it's got them. It's got it wrapped in a try block. Right. And when the failures happen, they're catching those failures and they're not logging them cr- well. They're not you know I'm, I, there's well, they're,
1: they're not letting them bubble up. I mean, if they're not
0: letting them bubble up so and they're, they're also not they're
1: swallowing the error and, and I guess hopefully they're logging it. What well, but you they're, no, they're not. if they are, you can't see the log.
0: They they're not yeah, well, exactly. Well, we got we got we got oh, oh, what, what do you mean by a log, right? Th- so, yeah, cuz so, we got to clarify cuz they have their own logging. So they may be calling system.debug, right? right but I can't see right. that because even though it's Affecting unmanaged code. I can't see the logging for the unmanaged code because it's happening because of a trigger that happened in managed code, but you know DML that happened in a managed code, and and they've got it wrapped in a try. I don't. Yeah. I don't fully. I don't. I mean, I, again, because it's a black hole, I don't know exactly what's happening. I don't know if this is, and I think it is DML happening, and I. You can definitely tell that their their this managed package is 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 catching the error and not letting it bubble up, and it's also not logging it. In, in a, like a, in anything that's persistent that I can access, it's not logging into a custom object, you know, error log or anything. And so, you know, we're so we log a case with Salesforce, and and Salesforce basically just gives us the same error message that was in the email because I we cause we gave them because at, at the bottom of this email it gives you like a, a Salesforce error ID, almost like mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like a kind of a GAC ID or what we gave that to them and they looked it up and it was like, you know, it was whatever, it's actually like a some, you know, com.salesforce.gax or something, you know, right. you can see it's a GAC and they've got a log for it. But they just, it just says the same thing that we get in the email, which is, oh yeah, this flow is rolling back because of, you know, the transactions being rolled back and then it's got you know, please visit the developer forums and they close the case. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, <sighs> I don't. You know, I don't. And I don't think the managed package vendor would they be getting these logs?
1: I they, don't know, they, and they're they, a
0: mess to deal with too. So it's like I just
1: yeah. I was, well, to clarify that, they can get access to the logs. They can through their login into your system. You can grant them access. They can log in, and they'll because of their account and they own that package. They should be able to see those
0: logs. They could see their logs, but yeah. they can't see the logs from the other managed packages that are getting invoked because of these because in these transactions as right. well. So like no one. Has a full view of what's happening. Well, you would. No hope one does. Salesforce does with some well, kind you, of like you, master account. Okay. But we all know that Salesforce's support is a joke. And I'd have to. I mean, I'd have to spend a lot of like capital and and time and get a lot of people involved. And I may have to. That may it may come to that. If it, if we don't have another way to do it, because that's that's that way always takes me a ton of time. And Of course, they want to set up to meetings so you can demo. I'm like I just gave I gave <laughs> you the I gave you the GAC ID or yeah. you know the error ID. Are you still at tier one support? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't but anyway, just this black hole of logging, as if, as if logging on the Salesforce platform is not already horrendous enough. You know, you, you can't even, I mean, this, this whole managed package thing. It doesn't even save it, you
1: space because you, you, for every line that they normally log, it just does a replace of what the log
0: entry would be with their namespace. Yeah, what is that? How's that useful? It's not. I get a f- tens of thousands of lines of entering managed package or whatever yeah. it is. I mean, this is not helpful. How did this pass anyone? How did any PM look at that and say, yep, that's great. Ship it.
1: Because <laughs> it's just, they don't care about developers. Uh, they never have.
0: They never have. You know what? There we've are, always kind of, there lots are lots of people been reaching Salesforce, our Salesforce going,
1: hey, we, we, we're we doing what you told us to do, but it's not working that great. Uh, can you help us out? And they're like, eh,
0: eh. No, there are lots of people at Salesforce that do care about developers. There's lots of people at Salesforce that care about the two things we've just talked about. But the problem is there's so many different departments and Salesforce is so big and it's politics between all these different departments. And it's all so complicated that when you go up in management to someone who's like, let's say, an executive VP or whatever product, it's like, they don't even understand. They don't even understand what's happening. So you can't make an argument to them. They're just like, yeah, talk to our, you know, talk to my PM or whatever. I'm like, I have. (laughs) They're stuck because this other group, you know, who actually is in control of this doesn't care. So you got to find, find a way to make that fix. No, you
1: attached don't, to to a dollar. Like you got to say, if you fix this, it results in X amount of licenses.
0: Th- there's a term that perfectly describes this kind of just mess, and it's enterprise software. This is <laughs> this is enterprise software. This is what you get. All right. Um. So uh, Jay pointed out to us that Apex now appears in the TOB you know, programming language index. Did you see that?
1: Mm-mm. You didn't. No, I've been
0: Yeah, it's, um, I don't know how many are actually in the list, how long the list is, but Apex has reached uh, number 34.
1: But it is Salesforce Apex? Yeah, it's, there it's there Salesforce There is, is Apex. an Apex language I know, it's like out an there. Oracle
0: thing, right? Yeah. But I, it, I think it must be real obscure because I just hardly ever see any reference to it. Maybe because Salesforce is um, kind of Google-wash with their version of Apex. You can't yeah. find any of Oracle's Apex anymore. <laughs> Oracle's, you know, not very good at the web. I don't know if you've ever noticed that or not, either by going to their website or anything else, but it's... it's,
1: <laughs> Yeah, their website really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but most of these big enterprise companies, even Salesforce's
0: website sucks. Uh, I have to say, Salesforce's website is miles beyond most enterprise software websites. Uh, maybe.
1: Like, the Lightning design system is a really nice site. At least the recent updates to it is really
0: nice. That's I don't because li- it's controlled by the Lightning team, the Lightning design team. Yeah. It's like, you know, you've got basically... <clears throat> a room probably this size with three or four badass you know, CSS and JavaScript engineers that yeah. get to do what they want. And that's what you get. But yeah. that is not enterprise software. They're on their own little enclave and so they get to operate like a little entrepreneurial group.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of the Salesforce website.
0: I mean... No, it's, 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 a, sh- it's a ton better than, Salesforce, uh, than uh, Oracle's website, I can tell you that.
1: Yeah, that... That's not something to hang your hat on. Eh, well, it's I, well, better than Oracle. Uh, I don't know. Eh, it's
0: better than Microsoft. Hey, listen, listen eh, to it. It's better than XYZ. L- listen to Oracle or Salesforce's conference calls, and you can see they're more than happy to talk about how they're better, be, better than the other.
1: <laughs> I just mean, I just mean, to, when when you say something's good, the, the response shouldn't be, "Well, it's better than the other guy." I mean, it's, it should just be, "It's a really great site. I enjoy using it. It looks yeah. very nice." That should be that should be the conversation, not, eh, "It's better than these guys."
0: Right anyways anyway um, one thing interesting it was right, right at the beginning kind of in the narrative section of this of the TOB thing was they said uh, in the beginning of this year the SWIFT had peaked at 2.3% which is actually pretty high that puts that, that's mm. basically gets get you in top 10% uh, top 10 category or, or range if you're in the like that up there so they were at 2.3% beginning of this year um, but now they're back to position number 16 and they're constantly declining month after month why is that why would that be that really it, surprised it, it me. It Could be just.
1: It, I, I, I think more and more people are looking for cross-platform tools.
0: Boom! I think you nailed it. In fact, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I think it. I think it later talked about how um, Xamarin, which is a Microsoft mm-hmm. product, right? Isn't it? Microsoft owns yeah. Xamarin. Yeah. Um, and like native script, React Native, Core, um, uh, .NET Core. Is that a is that a mobile app tool?
1: It's .NET, but cross-platform.
0: Yeah, but that's. I'm talking about mobile. It's it's the mobile things that are killing Swift, well, and also the other yeah, well, the other one they really attributed was um, <clears throat> Ionic and um, Cordova based things in general. Yeah, it's weird how people talk about Cordova and Ionic like they're these two um, mutually exclusive options. Like Ionic is Cordova. <laughs> I mean, it's based on Cordova. It's like it's not this separate thing. It's yeah. you get Cordova with Ionic anyway.
1: I also wonder if the because uh, if you notice the the lineup on the hardware for for mobile devices is really expanded. I mean, we've we've gone from you know a phone every year to now there's like three or four every year from say Apple, and now you have Pixel, and then you have the Samsung, and then you have all the Android devices. Windows, I guess, is gone. Windows Mobile. I don't, I don't know if it's still. Yeah, because even like even BlackBerry <laughs> apparently is 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 trying to come back. Um, Who owns them? BlackBerry.
0: No, didn't they? They're dead, right?
1: <laughs> no, I thought I heard something recently. I
0: thought I read something that BlackBerry was a... Uh, RIM. RIM, a that's search right. Search in yeah. motion. Did they, I did. That's one got bought by Microsoft.
1: No, I think they're still around.
0: I don't think anybody wanted them. Wow. I Who think they Microsoft tried. Oh, Microsoft bought Nokia, right? Nokia? Yeah. Nokia. So I think they wanted to
1: get bought, but I don't think anybody wanted them. But I think they're trying to come back now, I think. Hmm. Or at least they have some new phones coming out, I
0: think. Yeah, they're still doing $2 billion a year in revenue. So they're selling something.
1: Yeah. Yeah, BlackBerry Motion. So, anyways, I, I just I just think that more and more people are looking for cross platform. the The software that's running kind of this basically a web page in in your phone seems to be doing pretty well for most people in terms of business apps and things like that. It's getting it's, better, right? It's getting better, and people are able to do a lot more. And um, I just, I just don't think, I mean, I think for native, if you really want some high performance stuff, then go native. But I think for a lot of companies, it's all about trying to support the most devices, trying to hedge their bets um, before they try to invest on doing native. um, Isn't the sales,
0: isn't Salesforce one uh, a um, a hybrid app? It is. Yeah, I think so. Right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, Apex made the list. I think that's new. I don't, I don't know. I've never. I don't ever recall seeing it there. But uh, I actually went and looked at what the definition of like. I'm trying to figure out like this TOB, because it's it's a it's a highly it's always been highly criticized and mainly because there's no good way to measure there's no like canonical or official way to measure how popular programming languages are. Yeah, you know they just do their best. They have all these requirements like it's got to it's got to appear this many times in search engines and, and. But one of them was uh, the language should have its own entry on Wikipedia its own entry on Wikipedia. And Wikipedia should clearly say that it concerns a programming language. And so I clicked, I went to Apex's entry. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, it doesn't have its own entry. It's simply embedded down in the Salesforce Wikipedia entry. Hmm. So again, it's, it says the language should have its own entry on Wikipedia. And but doesn't that Apex make sense?
1: Just someone from Salesforce has to go in there and just write a...
0: Well, I, I think that anyone could create a, a, an entry for Apex a top level entry but it doesn't it doesn't have one. So it's weird because so Apex doesn't even meet TOB's own uh, requirements. But anyway, I thought that was uh whatever. Mm. Uh, nothing that I thought was interesting just looking at like the graph of like the top 10 was that since it looked like about 2016 C has gone from 17% to 8% in like the past year. And mm. Java 21 to 13%. And so I'm looking at those; these numbers sense. tank for those two, like because it's got. It's, but we're again, still in the realm
1: of mobile, right? No, no, no.
0: This is just all programming. This is all programming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, you're,
1: you keep content switching me. <laughs> I don't know if we're talking about mobile or what, but
0: it still makes sense. I, just, I mean, more and more. What? The mo- mobile thing was just it was just Swift. I was just talking about Swift as a language, and then I think the 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 reason why it's dropped off some is because in the mobile space, people have abandoned native somewhat.
1: Well, I think in general people are looking for cross-platform. I know but, we already talked about that. We're we're on to other things. Well, no, I'm just saying it's not just mobile devices though. They're trying to span desktop, mobile, and everything with the same application, which is why web technologies are more popular oh, yeah. than say some of these native and progressive web apps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish I could title your enunciation.
0: So, so but I'm looking at this, this pronunciation. I'm, I'm doing this backwards. I'm looking at this this time graph and it's got 10 lines one for each of the top 10 programming languages and java has shot down over the past year c has shot way down together they've lost 9 uh, 17 17 percentage points but there's nothing none of those languages have shot up to take up to fill that that gap hmm. and so the only thing i can tell from that is that it's not it's not it's not the top 10 programming languages that are shooting up to fill the rest of that space it's just tons of these other alternative languages you know like the scalas and the rusts and the darts and so they're diluting the market you think and go yeah exactly it's just that's the it's the long tail is filling up that space yeah <laughs> I'm getting my buzzwords in aren't i <laughs> uh, yeah so apex they're number 34 and they're at 0.578% so about half a percent uh I noticed there's some notable neighbors. How can that be with over four, four
1: million developers?
0: Well, I'm gonna get into that. <laughs> <laughs> so the notable neighbors, uh ABAP or ABOP or however you say it, this the SAP programming language. Uh I say m mm, bop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh John. That's uh that's a, that's a very John thing to say. <laughs> so I'm gonna say about that. I'm gonna keep this uh, PG or G. Uh, yeah, no, it was at, uh, so Mbop M- was at 27. So it's still beating Apex, which is weird, but I guess I forget how big SAP is. It's just still giant. Um, but Ada and Lisp are, are Apex's neighbors. You got Ada at uh, 33 and Lisp at 35. Nice. <laughs> so, so we're still in a point where, you know, Ada is beating is beating, Salesforce. <laughs> Let's see, who, uh, who else is over here? You know, uh, D. You know what the D language is? That'd be, no. it. it's 26. That's, um, the it's, it's like a C-like language. It's like a successor to C. Um, Cobol is 23. Cobol's beating Apex still. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <clears throat>
1: well, you could bet if Salesforce ever made it to like the top 10 of these lists, it would be all over their marketing. Oh,
0: the most, could you imagine? The most popular language in the world. Well, it's weird. How can they be the, the top paths and the top this and the top that and their top on demand, you know, platform and their language is, you know, below Cobol. And, and Mbop. Well, I mean, maybe the reality and is. It's below Visual Fox Pro, John. <laughs> <laughs> it is beating yeah. VBScript by two places. That's because VBScript doesn't exist anymore. I know. Dude, Alice is on here at 39. That's crazy. Kotlin. Wow, Kotlin's only 41. I, I You know what? I would like to see the, the graph, the, the line time series graph for Kotlin. Surely it's going up. I like Kotlin. So that's actually, that's my favorite programming language right now. Hmm. My favorite is Apex. <laughs> <laughs> you would say. I mean, most people listening to this, their, their private programming language is probably Apex. Because no, we're Salesforce developers. Uh. <laughs> uh, let's say, okay, you brought this up, so let's do the math. If there are 4 million Salesforce developers in the world, and Apex only makes up 0.578% of the ranking then that means that there are, in total, 692 million software developers in the world. Wow. <laughs> What's the population of the U.S.? <laughs> 320 or
1: 40, 340, something like that. Hmm. That means just about everyone in the U.S. is
0: a uh, programmer. More, more than that, twi- double, right? Yeah, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I read, that the most common number I hear estimates that there's about 20 million software developers in the world. And if that's the case, and the truth is, is there are probably like a hundred thousand salesforce developers, not two million, not four million, not a hundred thousand that seems like a more reasonable number it does I mean, I would believe that number
1: <clears throat> but i I wouldn't even i, I would say it, or if we are we going to include admins in in the developer umbrella if we are I mean what, what does that do to the number? It certainly doesn't bring it to four million
0: it oh, can't no. well i mean even i mean if you included okay if you did include admins, mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess admins don't use Apex, right? That's what. So I was thinking, if you well, because
1: Salesforce really diluted the term when they said everyone's a developer. Anyone who's configuring Salesforce is a developer, and therefore, or created a
0: workflow, you're a developer now. I think they were just counting developer orgs. I mean, how many developer orgs have you created in your in your decade? long Salesforce career. Yeah, but they
1: started killing those off. I have like four oh, but I'm sure. i
0: I'm sure they've at least got, the, they've got the list have, of how many that have ever been created, though.
1: I have three or four that I because keep running. Th-
0: that's a lead form. You have to fill out a lead form to get into dev org. You, yeah. that, they're not deleting that. Yeah. They don't have to delete your actual form, but the, the lead record in Salesforce and their Salesforce and org 62 or whatever the hell it's called, uh, that's still there or whatever Salesforce's are. Why aren't they in some? Are they still on uh, SSL.Salesforce.com? I think they have their own. Yeah. I, I think they have their own pod. They're running on an HP SuperPod. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I, I would love that question to be answered, is where does that 4 million number come from?
0: <laughs> uh, you, well, I know you're going to have to ask. You're going to have to ask, um, oh, what's the guy's name? You remember him. Uh,
1: Hi, everybody!
0: Him. How was that Alex Dayon? No. Alex oh, sounds French. Huh? That's uh, Adam... Adam something. Oh. What is his name? I forgot. I don't know. I wonder if I Google Salesforce Adam. Boy, that, that'd make him famous, wouldn't it? Oh, Adam Bosworth comes up. That's funny. Adam Seligman. Okay. He is the senior vice president of developer relations and Trailhead GM. Wait, he's the senior vice president of Trailhead GM. I don't understand that. The They're
1: going overboard with this Trailhead stuff.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a good selling point and it's a good way to well salesforce it's, a good, is, people, it's a good way to keep people it's good way to people flooding into this to try to you know cash in on this gold mine and keep everyone's rates down <laughs> cuz salesforce the last well, thing yeah, the last now, thing they now they're want now they're training
1: high school kids to, do, to yeah. do the job
0: well because think about it if it if it if if uh the if salesforce you know expertise is expensive then that's less money that people can spend on license. you don't have so much budget for your salesforce effort yeah. you know if you have a hundred grand to spend on Salesforce and it costs sixty thousand dollars to implement it, well, that only, only leaves you forty thousand for licenses, right? So Salesforce wants it wants us to be cheap, so they're going to keep everyone flooding in here. Train yourself, you know. <laughs> Tired of flipping burgers? Become a Salesforce consultant. Everyone can get certified, right? Yeah, they can. got these people with thirteen, fifteen, <laughs> nineteen certifications. They mean so much to me. Yep.
1: I'm not getting get into it. I, I I have issues with some of the training that they do and some of the outreach they do. I I just I don't think it's very productive. So I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> uh, you were talking about er- errors earlier, and I do, this is a throwaway for me, but I've been noticing a lot of errors with lead convert, like really inconsistent reports of errors, or reporting of errors, where there are some errors in the lead convert that I can't catch. They just get thrown. And even though I I have it, a- how could you? Why would you be able to catch them? Well, is a standard it has, lead conversion? This the native well, so okay. you go into Apex and you can do a lead, you can convert a lead. You can right. tell it to convert and it it has a response that it's supposed to send back to you, which is a lead convert
0: res, result or response or something like that. Oh same, you're converting as, an Apex. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about just the standard lead
1: conversion. No, an Apex. Okay. okay. And I've had inconsistencies with errors. So some errors will completely throw and I can't catch them. For some reason they happen, but somewhere in the stack and they're not getting back to my code. Um, some errors are getting thrown. Um but they're, but they're, I'm, I, they are not showing up in the results. So instead of getting shown up in the results, they're getting thrown in my my try catch is catching it. Okay. And then there are some errors that are showing up in the results and the result set as an error that you would normally expect to see. Yeah, it's, it's like, really weird. So something, yeah. Some, so I've, just, I've got three tiers of errors. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> then I just, I'm like, I don't know what to do.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> so. And they wonder why it takes. It's so long to get anything done with Salesforce.
1: <laughs> I don't remember that being the issue before, so I wonder if they're tinkering with lead convert because I know they recently updated like the UI for Lightning and things like that on it. Um, so I'm not sure if they're messing with it or, or what, but it's it's really inconsistent about how error handling works with that.
0: <laughs> no, it's like as soon as they fix stuff, it's you know next thing you know a new a, nec- a new release is coming out of Salesforce and they introduce there's a whole new wave of bugs. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then they and then they they. They won't fix. They, they set half of the new bugs to won't fix. <laughs> all
1: right, I have some. Right. some more questions for you. Unless you still got more,
0: I have just got one thing, which is uh, one one final thing here, which is that uh, you know people talk about you know Node and NPM and how they think that. Uh, I mean, I, I think over over half the people that want some alternative to Apex and Visual Force want want need JavaScript. They want NPM and all this stuff, mm. and of course, you know, I'm a. I mean. I don't know whatever I mean there's there's issues with NPM there's issues with the, the ecosystem how it's engineered how these packages are engineered of course there's issues with JavaScript itself but yeah those are actually being addressed over time but we have a new um, and this is this happened a few weeks ago but I just didn't hit my radar so it may be kind of old news but we have a new um, we have a new controversy in the NPM space have you heard about this um, no 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 okay <laughs>
1: I thought you were, you were looking at your screen. I thought you
0: were going to cue something. So, I, I don't want to go into the details because it gets into all kinds of weird stuff. But the, basically, the... the well, let me go ahead and play this. some, some drama. Um, the, the NPM CEO tweeted this. Uh, he said, if you are... And they're talking about, I guess, they're They have a node conf, right? Is that what it is or something like that? I guess. Yeah. Uh, he tweets, if, if you are not a... Uh, sorry. If you are not a white dude... And you have things to say about JavaScript testing? Please submit a talk to, um, and it was I can't remember the conference was. It's for some reason this is redacted. Assert oh it was cert JS I think it's the conference or Assert something I don't know. Hmm. So basically you know uh, again if you're not a, if you're not a white dude please please apply to talk at our conference. Wow it literally says that. Um, and then people so people you know uh, a lot of people who uh, complained and not just white dudes like lots of people different people and said hey that's. That's racist and sexist, and we don't like that. Because, you know, NPM's got one of these, uh, I guess, or in Node, you know, or whatever. They've got, you know, one of these codes of conduct. And and then so his response to, you know, people criticizing him was like, he says, you're, psych- you're sarcastically whining at a stranger because you fear losing your unearned privilege. I'm bored now. And then he just, like, leaves or whatever. Wow, Bunch of other quotes. Um, but I, I don't want to get into it. But um, the net result and you can go read about it if you want to. It's actually it's actually kind of entertaining. <laughs> but they there's a new, we have a new fork of of uh, npm and it's called iojs but it's not i it's not the letters io.js it's ayo.js but it's pronounced io. If that's not confusing. <laughs> why would it why would it be that? I don't I don't know. And and if you I looked I went to their GitHub for an I/O js and then there's already like 1700 uh stars and they've got this you know like like most of this team looks like it has moved over to this project most of what team of the npm team really yeah a lot of people um lots of people resigned from npm and the the board of like whatever their board of governors whatever the heck it's called uh it's the node foundation board of directors <clears throat> So what is what is the issue though? Is
1: are they leaving node um, because they don't like what's going so, on there? Or they don't like the people. They don't like the management. They don't like what.
0: what well, is so it? they obviously they don't they don't like the guy who's the npm CEO saying racist and sexist things, uh, even if it's against you know white dudes. Mm-hmm. And as the um, what what would you call me? I'm the um, I'm the I'm the resident white dude uh, representative on the, on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they. they so they took a vote, I guess, to whether or not to fire this guy. And they, mm. didn't, fi- they didn't fire him. It didn't pass. And, and all these, you know, a lot of these main contributors to Node just were like, nope, I'm out of here. And so um, they lost Google's representative, Microsoft's representative, because, you know, it was a huge deal when Microsoft, a few years back, uh, invested, not even, in, you know, decided to adopt Node into their stack, but also put major investments in, in Node. Hmm. Um, they lost their guy step, uh, resigned from the board so but yeah this is uh, this is the state of your and you know we have we have replacement for like the NPM tool you know like Yarn for example you know mm-hmm. Yarn kind of cropped up and people used it for a while and now I don't know I never I never switched over to it <clears throat> but the, even Yarn still used the still uses the NPM database and that and and all its packages I mean you can't get away from that so but I don't know now you have a fork though. The I this new IO IO you have to say it differently you can't just say IO it's <laughs> I- <laughs> IO <laughs> you have to put the the uh, emphasis on the other syllable <laughs> Anyway okay well, that was it have fun with your incredibly dysfunctional javascript ecosystem guys you build build your whole business on that it's good your right idea so, what's the alternative? <laughs> uh, for a lot of things, there's not.
1: We could go back to IIS and uh,
0: JSP. Classic ASP. No, that's the classic ASP, man. <clears throat> Such a Java nerd. <laughs> Java? That's Microsoft. JSP is not. I said ASP. Classic oh, I just ASP. Said JSP. No, classic
1: ASP. I just said JSP. <laughs> well, we're out of time. So, let me get to. Um, I'll skip my topics and we'll go to community topics. Because you talked more than you said you were going to. Oh,
0: uh, sorry. <laughs> Let's see. How far are we in here? And so I'm this sorry. one, yeah. 40, 40 minutes. Yeah. So
1: this one's uh, from Marco Marco Zuit. Are you sure Zuit? you can use this
0: person's name? Yes. Okay.
1: In fact, he gave us a bio. He said he's, so uh, he's from Naples, Italy. Can you say the name again? <laughs> Marco Z- Zuli? I think that's right. But Zuli. Okay. Um, yeah, he gave us a little bio. He says he's from Italy. He's 28 years old. You know it's funny about when I read that 28, I was like, oh, he's a young guy.
0: Yeah. I'm because like, no, we oh, I'm all so John,
1: freaking old yep. when I think 28 is a young guy. I'm old. Uh, so his question is, when you write test classes, do you use the system.run as utility to run your code with different profiles and then check the outcome? I personally don't use it at all because I don't like the idea that my unit tests depend on something that could be changed on the fly in production by an admin. From my experience, the system.run as approach led to a lot of test failures because of changes made in production and not reflected in dev sandboxes. This is especially true in large orgs uh, where multiple dev ops and admin teams are involved.
0: Well, there's two two separate things here. One, you have a problem with your process. You're changing things in production. You doesn't. I mean, it sounds like probably you don't have a good way for your, your devs to... Um, have their own sandboxes and and and, and you know have a, the proper kind of you know, kind of code uh, sharing system like whatever. Well, I mean, <laughs> so we've you, we've had it, discussions
1: on this before, and I, I th- you know I know you have a certain flow and everything. No, it's
0: not me. There's a lot of people that do this.
1: I know that, but I don't think that's the reality for uh, probably 80 percent of the people out there.
0: Well, it's because they just don't have the right leadership then, well, or they don't care, or it's not a big enough problem. I'm just saying, when it becomes a big enough problem, you'll do these things. I agreed. Okay. Um, but to his, I guess, first question, I don't, I don't do that either. I, there's, well, first of all, I mean, most. I do use it. I do have an opinion on this. Okay. Well, what is it then? Because I don't. Oh, you don't? No. Well, I do use
1: it. There are certain situations where you need to be able to do something in a different context, especially when you're talking like mixed DML operations, like doing For something For that I a do, user.
0: but that's not what his question was.
1: Well, I mean, there's reasons to use as, yes. it's That's one of the scenarios where I use it. Yep. Um, there are very few times where I specifically test for security access and profiles and things like that, where I need to run it, where I need to go, okay, what are the profiles? Now let me test against all these different scenarios with these profiles. I never do that. It's, un- it's unproductive to do that,
0: I think. Um, and let... Well, because Apex, even when you're running under a certain user context, which obviously that user has a certain profile, most a- most of Apex always still runs in system mode, right? So, for example, you're going to be able to query and access fields that that user can't see. Right now, Visual Force will filter those out. So, if you you might notice that, you know, Visual Force uh, has its own security layer, basically, where it's mm-hmm. it'll hide fields that the user doesn't have access to. It'll that um, yeah, it does that with doesn't it do with pick list values or no? Actually, I don't think it does with pick list values. So some of that stuff's manual. You know, you've got to... That's one thing, like uh, field level security, just handling field level security in in Apex code is a quagmire. It's a huge pain in the butt. I well, think have, that's gotten better. You have, you
1: have um, things you can query to figure out what yeah, you can just, modify. It's, but it's mess, not like though. you can do that in mass. You have to... It's it's limited to a certain number of records. and I
0: think like that's that. one of those things they test you on like the advanced developer or whatever's so how to do that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, because it's manual. You have to do it yourself. Like there's, you know, when you're, when some trigger's running or you've, you know, you've somehow invoked some kind of Apex, if you, it's pretty much up to you to enforce field level security if that's something you need to do. Because again, in most contexts, Apex is running in system mode. There's a few that don't like the connect, a- the chatter connect API mm-hmm. runs in, in the user's context, well, it's rare that I'm that I'm writing business logic that
1: that has to enforce some kind of security around a profile. Um, you, obviously, when I write a controller, that's with sharing. Um, but anything behind that, so a lot of my mm-hmm. classes that are, support that controller will be without sharing. Um, for ones I don't care, or ones where I do want it to bubble up some kind of error. I'll just, I just won't, I'll remove the without and with sharing so that it inherits it from whatever class is calling it. So that takes care of that. Um, but it's rare. I have written code that does depend on certain profiles and I have used as, system.runas to do that. Um, so there are cases where that that is necessary. But on on the average, you know, if I'm just writing some kind of trigger or some code, I don't go through the trouble of trying to test and validate the different profiles no. can run this code correctly. Because,
0: yeah, because your point is is that you know you're do you're using you're doing things like with sharing or with sharing or whatever so and by the way that's that's even that it's even though it seems like it should be a simple thing is and i think it is i don't know the problem is there's i don't think there's any great documentation i mean the, there is documentation on with on on that feature but it's not good right for example um that, that that does not enforce field level security
1: well it's also weird if you're using it with a sites like you have a guest account yeah so you if you have a controller that's i guess exposed to a guest account it and even if you do without sharing it doesn't let you do things but if you create another class and have your controller class reference that class which is the way you really should do things anyways it will go through you are able to see and interact with that data so it's it's kind of weird how how that kind of gets enforced in in odd ways and differences
0: yeah so with sharing <clears throat> this is what salesforce's uh ex- uh Description allows you to specify that the sharing rules for the current user be taken into account for a class. And what they mean there is like which records they have access to. That's what that is. Yeah. Um, but again, well, it's not just uh, records, but it
1: also enforces, you know what you can, all the DML as well around it. It's not just querying records and what you can see. Correct. It's also what you have access to. Instance,
0: update, delete. Yeah, it, it, That is a, that is at a record level. Um, and it's, uh, it's, But profile doesn't even affect that, does it? Really? I mean, I guess it would to some degree. Well, it can. I mean, because that because most record level access is is determined by who the owner is, what the org wide defaults are, right? And and manual, you know, any manual shares that have been done, and you know, if you're on an opportunity team or that kind of stuff. It's
1: it's a rat's nest to to get into all the different layers of security. Mm -hmm. But and to pop the stack, I mean, I, I think. I think in terms of just testing. I, th- I think unless you have a very specific scenario where you're trying to actively protect data or, or logic based on who the current user is, then yes, use it. But otherwise, I, there's no
0: reason to use it. It's it's yeah. overkill. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I haven't, I haven't dug into whether or not that's a super useful thing to do or not. I mean, I could be, I could be convinced if someone made a good case. I,
1: I've I've tried in the past. I, I so the, here are the things that I used to do when I when I was trying to be really. I guess dogmatic about my unit testing is I used to do bulk tests. I used to have bulk tests in there. I stopped doing that. Um, unless I have a scenario where performance is a real issue, then I will do, but I'll also scale it back. So I'll, when I'm testing, I'll have like some variable that that I can set or some constant that says, okay, do a full bulk test. And the, the number set at, what I don't know, 200 or 500 or whatever. And then when I'm ready to lock it down and get it ready for production, then I'll drop it down to like 10 or something, you know, just to make sure it can process a few more records. Um, so I don't do that anymore, um, and I also don't do this. I mean, I did at some point, did use Run As quite a bit and try to you know work with different profiles and things like that. But it, it's more trouble than it's worth because things like you know profiles changing, like the names changing, which is also more likely to happen than someone getting rid of a profile. Usually although they
0: the although profile. that is that's not data, that is metadata. So if you're again, if you're tracking all your metadata, then. Uh, when you make the metadata change uh, again. You're you're, you're, assuming, you're te- you're no, no, assuming I'm saying if you no, I said if. Yeah, I'm not assuming okay. I said if if you're okay. tracking all metadata, then when you make that change, when you run your test suite, those those things are gonna fail. And so you can say, Oh, I need to yeah, so I need to make this Apex class. And then you, you fix all those things and then you commit all those together in one in one commit.
1: Yeah. But unfortunately I don't think that's the way the world works. It's it's Mr. Ross's world. The world but, is a complicated place, especially, the, wo- especially the Salesforce My worlds do not work that way, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so I think we covered that pretty well. Um, so the next one, actually the next six, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go through some of the funnier ones first. Uh, this one's from... Feel free to use my name. This one's from Brent Bowers. Uh, would you rather build and deploy a month's worth of complex triggers with test code from your smartphone with spotty internet or wear yoga pants for a month? <laughs> hmm,
0: probably <you'd> wear yoga <laughs> pants. My, my, my developer life is already frustrating enough. So I'll take the yoga pants.
1: Well, I, I feel like the, the wearing the yoga pants is more of a, uh, a, a uh, punishment for those that are looking at you than, than you. Cause I'm, I'm sure those feel pretty comfortable they might be tight and comfortable, but Then I'm seeing all your business. Yeah.
0: No, I would. I could could harass John with that. So that's another bonus. (laughs) (laughs) It should have
1: said wear girl yoga pants. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's keep going.
1: Uh, Which of you is the bigger nerd, the bigger geek? Uh, Don't get me wrong. You all are cool and all. I think Jeremy's the bigger nerd. I'm the bigger geek. Probably so. Yeah.
0: I always forget what the difference between those two things are, but I think you're probably
1: nerd is a nerd and
0: a geek is kind of kind of cool these days so wow, that was a really <laughs> nuanced uh, definition there john
1: yeah. uh, i don't know i do i do differ i do have a different not so much definition but i use the term nerd very specifically and the term geek very specifically and like i reserve nerd for like those guys that are like really kind of they're socially awkward they're really smart they you know those kind of guys like yeah. i was watching battle bots the other day i don't know why i was just watching BattleBots. because you have kids and there's some people that are like, yeah, those are, those are cool guys. And in my TED, t- those were geeks. But then I saw this group of guys, and they were really nerdy guys. And I was like, a yeah, bunch of nerds, because <laughs> they just they just they just represented that the uh, what is those movie the nerds movies? They kind of they were like that kind of personality. Uh, as software engineers, do you retain and solidify what you learn? For instance, if I learn. A new programming pattern to idiom, I try and look for applicable use cases for it in my daily development work. And when I spend over an hour researching how to get around some obscure, bizarre gotcha, the Salesforce platform, I make an Evernote clip for it with searchable tags or post my findings on Stack Exchange. Um, either of you is neurotic about clinging on to things you've painstakingly learned, or is it just me?
0: I think it's a good, good idea to put it in some kind of searchable thing like that, or or post it on like you know, some like the stack exchange so that because the problem is, you know, two years from now, you're gonna hit this again and you're not gonna remember what it was because it's so obscure. And you're going to go search the internet for it or search your Evernote you're going to find what you did two years ago and you're going to save yourself the trouble of, uh, you know, having to go through all that again. So that's a good idea. I mean, I forget a ton of stuff, which is why, yeah, I'm a huge Evernote user. But whatever. Yeah. You know, whatever. I'm, not,
1: I'm not as neurotic as I probably should be, but I do keep notes. Um, I used to rely on my blog for that kind of stuff as well. Um, but I also rely on other people's blogs. I know that there's yeah. information on there, so I'll usually search and I know I can go find it again. Um yep. See how there's that. Uh, do you ever reuse portions of your code that you built for past clients when a new client asks for a near identical technical solution?
0: Apparently, John does. <laughs> no, <laughs> didn't, we, didn't we talk about that last week? Yeah.
1: No, I've talked about things I've written that are universal, so that I will
0: kind of. But just okay. Just because a client paid you to write something, and it happens to apply to a bunch of other. Nobody doesn't know. No, you get no, to no, use no. That.
1: no, no, no. A client did not pay me. Oh, okay. There, I do differentiate. I do. I will sit at so night trying to clients, figure something but out. But it wasn't
0: a client that paid you to
1: do it. <laughs> so what I God, you're so, so just, rude. This so is, rude. is okay. The reason I'm making you're this attacking point, because, my no, no, my moral code no, 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 here.
0: No, what I'm what I'm pointing at is that this is a very sticky subject, and 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 the fact that who who asked this question. This, this is the same, same. This is Brent. Okay. Um, the fact that he asked this question, um, I well, I don't know. It's, 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 I don't know. It's an interesting question because, uh, it's a, it can be a big problem. Um, basically if you look at way, well, you know, most, the way most laws work and the way most contracts are written is that when someone's paying you to do something, anything you produce while you're working for them is their, they own it. It's their work product unless you have contracted otherwise. Um, Think like every contract? Well, I don't know. I can't say that. But anyway, you have to be really careful um, because you will create a lot of things that are useful for other other companies, other people.
1: Yeah, but I mean, and, you're you're talking about IP, though. I'm talking about like snippets of code. I'm talking like maybe like a a, a field validator, or an email pattern, yeah. or you know some kind of bit of code that can split a name into its proper formats. I mean, those are the kind of things that I'm talking about. They may rep, they may be in the form of a class but it's just a snippet to me it's it's just a small piece of code that i've that it's it, repetitive now it com- when it comes to ip stuff like a client says when this happens and this you have to do this or you have to calculate this or you have yeah. to use this algorithm that's definitely their ip and that's definitely something i don't move or move about um but in terms of like snippets and things like that just universal code yeah. i do kind i do keep track of that we all do we all keep snippets of code it, it's just, it's what we do.
0: Yeah, I'm just gonna say no comment, and just say that I'm not a lawyer and John's not a lawyer. So when it comes down to it, really, you should talk if you have a question about this. The, you know, talk to your employer. Well, here, don't here's talk no, to a lawyer because because I I disagree, John, with your characterization.
1: No, um, no, no. Hold on, hold okay. on, hold on. I'm not saying that if someone and I'll speak directly to this question. No, I don't do this. If if a client asks for something a very similar solution. That's the correct
0: answer? It's a so for the complete. Book, for, the, for the record. <laughs> it's a complete
1: rewrite for them. Not only is it ethically the right thing to do, it's also how I make money. Yeah. I'm right. not going to make any money by copying and pasting my code around. Yeah. Um. So, so when it comes to that specific scenario. But I will say that there are things that I have, snippets of code or classes that I've written that are just general purpose things that I usually work on on my own time. Or it's like a little snippet of something that I've done repetitively
0: enough that I'm like, I just need to do this so I can copy and paste it in. It's more so just per- the tricky it's thing more, more that, my productivity. I think, we, I think we should say this. The tricky thing with that also is that if you're not including uh, if an explicit license with that and if the, cli- and the client's not agreeing to it, then that also can get you into trouble. So be careful with that as well. Yeah. Don't, I'm just saying, be careful with it. Fitbit the world, man. This yeah. sucks. Everything's about it, getting
1: sued. Everything's about protecting your ass. You can't be productive. You can't do anything. So just don't do anything.
0: Um, that's why you'll notice that uh, a charge lot, everyone a lot of times, buttload
1: of money because you can't reuse anything. Any, any of you who have your put, expertise, your skill means nothing. Do it from scratch every time. Uh, Pretend you're learning how to code for the first time and charge the client two hundred thousand dollars for for a trigger, that, a five you, line if trigger. If you've got code you want for to, a five line trigger.
0: If you've got code you want to give your clients, the right thing to do is to put make sure there's a license header on it and grant them worldwide exclusive. You know perpetual license to it. That's it's that it's that easy. Well then I'm going to
1: license everything. I'm going to license how to assign a a variable to a string. If you are copying I'm going to license how to how to yes. split a string and walk through it and and pull out like an a Here, character. Here's the here's I'm the gonna problem. I'm going to license everything now, I write.
0: You should. You should. Here's the problem. If you are including your code, if you're if you're cuz you're being the NASCAR nice like I'm just going to give them my code. It's, you know, it's it's generic. I've used this on other projects. I'm just going to give it to them. That, no, it's,
1: that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying
0: is there no, are things that are repetitive that I use for productivity purposes, not necessarily... You are c- taking existing code that you have and putting it in your client's org. Okay, so right? I have a function that parses a name. It, yes. It takes a name, a full care name, It parses
1: it to, to first name, last name. Yes.
0: Yeah, I should yeah, put yeah, a license around No, no, that. no. I'm saying, you're. let's say you don't. You're giving them that code, right? Now, the problem is, because you didn't give them a license and you weren't explicit about it, really what that looks like is... Uh, they have paid you to write that code. And in the weird situation where something went wrong legally and they found out that you were using that code in, in other places, then you could, technically you could get in trouble for that. That doesn't right? make sense. Okay, well, I, maybe I didn't get to, get a good job of explaining it. But.
1: No, I mean, I understand what you're saying. And I, I know how people can twist every little scenario and turn it into a reason yeah. they can sue you. Right. But that doesn't make sense that I can't go somewhere else and write a name parser function.
0: Um, you ever wonder why any open source project that anyone uses has always has um, license headers and licenses in it I know I, I this it. is there for a I reason it. it's there for a reason and I'm just saying it's a well, good I'm done. it's a good to think, I'm not a to think programmer about. anymore because now I can get sued for everything hey, if you want to that's fine <laughs> do whatever you want to do I'm just saying it's a good thing to think about you always need to be th- I mean this is it's inevitable it's unfortunate because there's also things like you know and this is not even get to get into patents software patents, yeah. which is a whole other thing that will also piss you off. We're talking about just copyright here and ownership and intellectual property. I mean, I'm sorry, but yes, a three-line thing that splits names, if someone pays you to write it, that is their property. Now, unless, again, unless, and this is in most states, without an explicit uh, agreement contrary to that, mm-hmm. by default, they will, that is that is a work product. It was work for hire or whatever, and you, you know, they, they own it now. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just... It's good to know to think about this stuff. Um, is it, if you do, all you, it does
1: is fill me with anxiety and make me want to quit?
0: Well, that's you, and I can't, I cannot be <laughs> responsible for your feelings, but I'm just saying that I, I, you, can, you can, you I, I don't know because like what you do is you go through and you're, you're pretending that this doesn't exist, and that's fine if you want to do that. No, I'm not pretending it doesn't yes, exist. Yes, you are. How am I pretending you're it pretending does- <laughs> you're pretending that you're giving your client code. Uh, and it's still yours, or it's now they don't have a claim to it. And the reality is, they do have a claim to that code now. And you're pretending that... Uh, then I'm in the wrong business. You, you might be. You keep saying that. I'm definitely in the I'm wrong business. I'm just saying this is a thing... I cannot
1: see how, how something that I do for productivity, I have a, 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 a little block of code that knows how to parse a name. You can keep
0: saying this, John, but you're wrong. I'm just telling you. So what's my the difference opinion? between
1: me, me doing a copy and paste from my snippet library and me physically typing out that code? What is the difference? Well, if you're
0: physically typing it out from something that you've already done, then that's all that's that's also. There's only so many ways you can
1: parse a name.
0: Do you not have you not followed any of these um you know, I'm saying the,
1: the law can't be that generic. The law cannot be that vague. There's well, got to be some very specific proof yeah. th- that, 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 that that code represents their IP that's very specific right. to them, and thus I cannot reuse it. This is why. Have Now, there are of- algorithms mm-hmm. and things that I agree with that can do that. There are processes mm-hmm. and workflows that I agree fall under that umbrella. But me parsing a name, which is universal to just about every freaking system out there that has to deal with names, how, yeah. how is that defensible?
0: That's different. Well… It just it, I don't know. I mean, again, I'm I'm not a lawyer, but I'd be careful. I mean, that's why people who have worked on things before have to do like clean room implementations of things basically. You know, you if, if you can rebuild something from complete scratch, but if you're you know, if you're typing it from something else or if you copy and paste it from something else, then that's that's where you can get into trouble. Um, I don't know maybe someone we hopefully someone who who knows more about the stuff that you know listens will give us some some feedback. But
1: I'm about to delete my snippet library. <laughs>
0: Just, right, put right, a li- just put a
1: license file in it, John. Customers get ready for uh, my time to double.
0: So what I do is, uh, so I have a, li- I have you know license headers on all these things that I do, and also something in my agreements that says that I, I have the right to include, um, basically open source software and work I do for you. Mm-hmm. And I've never had anyone complain about that. I mean, I could. And if they want to say, hey, we, I'm sorry, appreciate it. You know, we appreciate you willing to give us this stuff or other people's stuff that's open source. But for our own legal reasons, like our lawyers won't let us do that. That's fine. Okay. I guess I'll just, I mean, because what they're wanting to do is then they're wanting to pay you to um, re-implement that stuff. Either that or they have the option to buy, if they can, whoever, whatever this code is that you want to use. And maybe they can buy a commercial license from them. But yeah, a lot of companies, I mean, they do have a problem even with using open source. Yeah. Uh, Is it more difficult,
1: disorienting, mentally exhausting for you to switch gears from thinking about one problem space to another at a high level, laterally, or to move vertically between zoom levels from the same problem space? Uh, I'm trying to explain Mm. something to my boss and want to see if it's just me.
0: Probably the first. I mean, I think I often have to go vertically. So, like, I might have to be thinking about some kind of low-level database thing on the project, but then I might have to pop up to how that affects the UI or something. If it's within the same project... And kind of like the same, I'm on the same use case or story or whatever. That that's, I think that's easier for me than going to like a whole other project or having to talk to like a different team or something yeah. about a different, pro- you know, a different, a different project. Yeah, I think
1: I think as long as I'm going
0: vertically, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm, I mean, hey, I'm a full stack developer, baby. I can go from the top to the bottom and back back and forth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the the horizontal shift that that's a bit more difficult because I do have. It, Especially for me, because, not just for me, but for, for me that walks the line of both sides, actually probably three sides. I, I do get, dabble in some user interface stuff. Um, I dabble in architecture, business analysis stuff. And then I dabble in, dabble, dabble. <laughs> You're a dabbler. And <laughs> development stuff. Um, so depending on what I'm switching to, it pulls me out of just that mindset into a different mindset. Don't, and trying to get back into that
0: mindset is difficult. Don't dabble too much. It'll make you go blind. I'm already going blind. <laughs> yeah um, the horizontals is harder for me you yeah. too huh okay that's something we agree on
1: yeah my eyes get still twitching from all the stress <laughs> you caused <laughs> mm. alright last one uh, any recommendations tips or advice for Dreamforce noobs actually Jeremy's mm. pretty much a noob himself he's only he's only done it one time
0: I would say fig- you know you figure we, out what party. we deflowered you're gonna... him a f- couple yeah. of years ago oh, god <laughs> <laughs> You also took me to Dreamforce. Yes,
1: <laughs> that has nothing to do with the fact that we shared a room when we uh, went last time. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, so one thing is because everything does get shut down. Like, try to like figure out what parties or dinners you're going to go to ahead of time. That's really and, the best thing is to yeah. try to find a party or existing thing to go to because
1: everything is booked. You have all these these companies that just buy up the town. They will buy out an entire restaurant, uh, Aptus booked um the that's what is a sky something they had the, there's On a bar yeah. there's a bar at the top of the Marriott yeah. we got into it the first night after that aptus owned it for the entire week right they owned it for the entire week so yeah. yeah try to try to get invited to parties especially if you're a customer if you're a partner uh i'm not sure that's a little more difficult
0: i don't know about partner um the other the other big piece of advice i would have is Uh, Just try to, don't schedule, leave leave a lot of gaps in your schedule. Don't sign up for too many sessions because you want to give yourself time to um, just hang around and talk to people and and leave some slack in your schedule.
1: That's good good advice because I think the value isn't, uh, some people might argue with this. I don't necessarily find a lot of value in too many of the sessions. I like to cherry pick a few sessions that I think will be valuable. Um, Go to all all shells sessions. The the value (laughs) is really getting to talk to people. Um, In fact, one of my strategies for going to a session is Trying to talk to those people afterwards, so um,
0: which is going to eat into your next session, right? Right. So
1: don't schedule something afterwards. You know, find a session where you're really interested um, and you really want to talk to that person, and then go up to that person right afterwards and talk to them.
0: Or I think what I was doing was I would I was kind of filling up a schedule, knowing that I'm going to end up not going to half of these because I'm going to want to stay after late, or I'm going to I'm if I run into some people that I wanted to talk to or meet, I'll just I'll just not go to whatever was planned for that time. Yeah. So, yeah, so maybe that, bring some of your own food because the the lunches there are pretty oh, horrible. Yeah. Well, you can't bring your own food.
1: Well, yeah, that's I mean, yeah, almost like, impossible. You can go to like it? the Walgreens that was across from the Mar- from the Marriott, and uh,
0: you can buy some food there and yeah. make your own sandwiches. I don't know. Maybe um, you know what? Make make Dreamforce the week that you fast if you've ever been wanting to do a, a <laughs> cleanse or a fast or something. Or just all raw
1: di- all raw food diet, <laughs> vegan raw.
0: Yeah, you know the the food at Trailhead, Act- Trailhead DX. Sorry, was uh. Was better than Dreamforce.
1: Hmm.
0: Well, Dreamforce is a lot more people to feed, so
1: it's just like it's just yeah. (laughs) It's tough to mobilize enough food, or it's tough to mobilize good food. You have to mobilize things that travel well, or that that are packaged well.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And that doesn't leave a lot of options, which means it's not going to be that great. Um. To to your uh, session, I'm going to piggyback off that and say have a plan B. So try to pick two sessions around the same time. Wow, so
0: we went from leaving our schedule to doubling up for every time slot.
1: <laughs> well, what I'm saying is you might go into a session and go, "Oh, this is not That's what I true. thought. This is not going to be as advanced In as fact, I thought." In fact, that it will have
0: that will happen a lot.
1: I mean, I've gone to sessions where I thought it was going to be very developer focused and find out they're really just talking to high-level admins on something. I'm like, "I need to go somewhere." Um you can either use that time to relax or if you if you have if you had to make a choice between one or the two, just keep track where that other one is and and run to that one. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully you can still get in. But that's another issue is that they're so full now, uh, there's not even a standing room. So once the door's closed, it's closed. Yep. Um, so it's not like it used to be. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that works anymore. I don't either. Well, uh, that's all that we have from our community in terms
0: of topics. Uh, thank you so much for those. We really appreciate yep. it. Those are good. I like those. I like those. It's just it's good content. I uh, I'd like, I'd like keeping my... My uh, finger on the pulse of what people are thinking about. Um, Wait, so, your beer is So, gone. we have no... We have... Okay. The, yeah. So, give me... A, um, what do you think?
1: I was getting a lot of vanilla on it as it warmed up, okay. but I was also getting a... Here it comes. ...earthy flavor from it. Like, there was a bit of an earthiness to it on, on the, some on of the... On the finish? T- it was weird. Like sometimes I would get uh, vanilla, and then right
0: after that, or during it, I would start to get like an earthy flavor to it. See, I get this kind of grassy thing, and maybe that's the same thing. But in general, I get too much. There's too much bitterness on this beer, which is weird because like the IBUs are like around the calculated IBUs are around 15. Which when is it warms up, the bitterness comes out more. Yeah. So I did something. I don't know what I did on this. I actually, I think it was dur- during the point when I when I kegged it. I think I I think I screwed something up, but. Which is unfortunate. It also
1: was a bit kind of acidic on the back of the throat.
0: That's yeah. It's got it's got a bunch of hop burn, which is normal for this something that's because this is probably hopped at a level of about four to five pounds per barrel, mm-hmm. uh, so pretty highly hopped. And you're gonna have hop burn like in the first week. It's it's kegged, and mm-hmm. that's why they need like a week or two of conditioning. But it's been two or three weeks now, and it's still there. So I don't know.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it, I, I would love to taste this again. You know, once it's had a bit more time. Yeah. Because uh, it was interesting as as the vanilla was coming out of the nose of it. I was I was expecting something super sweet, and then you get the bitter hoppiness, and so it was just really this kind of really nice experience, I'll say. Mm. Um, and even on the first tasting, I would get the vanilla yep. as it warmed up. Yeah. So yeah, it's an oh, interesting. Yeah, beer. It,
0: it might it, some of that hop burn. Hopefully, will fade out some more over over a little bit of time. But anyway, um, what else, John?
1: Is that it? Uh, one more thing. One more thing. There's a new whiteboard out from shellblack.com.
0: Oh, yeah? What's the topic? I don't know. <laughs> this is, thank you for remembering to get our sponsor read in, by the way. We need to make sure those checks keep coming in.
1: Well, I'm trying to get him to sponsor our, no. <laughs>
0: our happy hour. Um, what's this, so what's the topic of this one? You, you don't know, do you? I, I did know, and then I don't know. So he went and recorded several of them, right?
1: He did, and, and he, he, he's kind of been on a hiatus on them, and then he recently started doing this. This one is Selling B2C, the
0: Household Data Model.
1: That's actually a good one.
0: Yeah. I um, need to listen, listen yeah, to that. that's good one. because not only do you have to do that sometimes, and it also kind of ties into person accounts and how to do those. I don't know if he touches on that. But there's, if you look at some of the uh, some of the other initiatives at Salesforce, like with their, um, the foundation has this HIDA, uh, Higher Ed Data Model, or mm. whatever the hell it's called, data architecture. And then... Well, even uh, financial services of, and yes, health cloud, both. They have, so they all have gone with this household concept. Yes. And
1: it, it's, it has nothing to do with person accounts. Uh, right.
0: It's not, it's kind of, I mean, it's a, it's instead of person accounts. Really. Yeah. Um
1: Now, I mean, one thing to note though, is there's no magic behind it. They basically, when you install those packages, they have some code that you, when you create an account of a certain record type, it goes ahead and creates the contact for you. Yeah. So it's kind of like person accounts without the restrictions. Yeah. Um, but you're still have you you still having to deal with, you know, an account and contact
0: hierarchy. Yeah. And that's one nice thing about personal accounts is you don't have to deal with that. It's just they're all just kind of like people. And, you know, it kind of merges the account and the contact into one this one kind of Franken object. <laughs> yeah.
1: Which, <laughs> it's, it's, which it's still creates horrible. all kinds of problems. It's still horrible that you have to make that kind of context switch. That that this Salesforce in general is so B2B that that yeah. the B2C model just
0: has a really tough time fitting in. But again, the, the, kind of the, I think the benefit of sticking with accounts and contacts and doing the household models is we all know how to do accounts and contacts. Yeah. I mean, we're used to it. It may, not be, it may not fit your data real well. That model is not a great fit, mm-hmm. but it's good enough, and it avoids all the problems with person accounts, yeah. and we already know how to deal with accounts and contacts. Like, I mean, we know how to load the data in. We know how to do, you know, our, our process builders and our triggers, and like, we've been doing this. We know how, it's a well, it's a solved problem. Right. It's a well-understood problem. Yeah, so I like that. Yeah. Um. So happy hour. We teased it. Oh, Let's right. talk about it. Well, I don't know much about it. So if there's a happy hour, it's uh, going to be a good day, sir, happy hour at Dreamforce. So
1: just to remind everyone, Jeremy and I are not going. We're not going. We're not going. But uh, per as it happened last year... A uh, happy hour happened in our absence, and we, uh, we FaceTime in. I think there's interest in us doing that again.
0: Yeah, that was, that was I don't know, that was kind of weird. It was tough because signal and whatever. But, yeah, if we can make that work. But anyway, what, so what day is it? I don't even know.
1: Oh, that, that way.
0: We don't know yet. <laughs> so this is being run
1: and, and uh, organized by our community. Yep. Uh, Jay Janarthenon has taken the lead in, in hosting it for us. Um, but definitely, if, you, if you're interested in a happy hour, um, sign up on our Slack channel. Uh, log into the conferences channel and talk about it there. You can also go to our website, good dot or forward slash happy hour, or just click on the link called happy hour. And there will be a form there. Um, Monk's kettle is kind of the tentative location, at least for now, which is where it was last year. Um, but on the form, there's a place where you can make a suggestion. Um, if you know of a better place or something, um, um and then, you know, just let us know your, your comments. Put your email in, uh, how many people you plan on bringing, and just let us know so we can kind of gauge interest and yeah. in how many people and make sure that there's enough
0: room. Yeah. Need, need a head count. Yeah. But uh, speaking of the Slack community, though, if you're not in the, if you haven't joined our Slack community yet, you probably should. You can also do that on our website, right? com. Click on community. And all we need is your email address. And by the way, your email address does not get saved. I think it gets emailed to John, right? But yeah. then you just add them to Slack and then there's no database. That doesn't <laughs> yeah. those emails then uh they're very ephemeral. They go away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh so the, the you know, the emails are great, keep those coming. Info at com. If you have a question or a topic or you want to bitch at us or complain or whatever. Bitch about um, Jeremy. He was, yep. He was or, or if or if you can actually enlighten us a little bit on this whole legal aspect of can I use my existing snippets and clients? Code, you know, uh, it's it's too late. I already deleted them. Yeah, and and if I do, like, how do I do that? Do I need to get them to a, a, uh, agree to a license? I'm, I'm curious what other people are doing as well. well I so. will say that when it comes to like open source stuff, uh, not to rehash it, but I, I do ask
1: for permission. That's definitely something to do. Like before you start using jQuery or something, is just letting people know, hey, I'm using jQuery here. Oh, I don't. I don't think I ask if I can use jQuery. <laughs> I probably should. Most of the time they don't care. I also, don't have like it written or anything, but I go, Hey, I you know, in order to do some of this custom stuff, you know, make it more interactive, I, I have a jQuery thing. Is that okay? And and mm. usually it's like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I like when I'm demoing the work I've done is when I'll bring it up. <laughs> just kinda a little late. I've already used it. <laughs> just um, letting you know. <laughs> just letting you know. If you like the way this is working, it's using jQuery if you got, you know.
0: <laughs> that that's that's under the um the rubric of uh what is it? D- don't ask for permission. Beg for forgiveness. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, uh, oh yeah, and 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 it, actually, this is probably a good thing to email about as well. Let us know what you do if you you know if you um, are in this you know similar situations that John and I are in with this kind of work and kind of having to at least think about this or whatever. Like, what do you do? What have you done? Um, and we will not use your name by default. And in fact, if I mean, you can even email us and say, "Hey, don't share this." I'm just letting you guys know. That's fine too. Private. You know, we'll keep it private. But if you just want to, you know, contribute your uh, experience anonymously, that's great. In fact, we won't use your name unless you explicitly tell us we can use your name. But yeah, those are great. Um, we don't ever get any reviews anymore, so that's a super sad. Face on. Where can people review us? iTunes, uh, Google Play Store, which apparently is a thing. That yeah, but I, don't, I looked on there. I don't think there's any review system on there. I don't know. But reviews are good. Stars, you know, stars, hearts, whatever, whatever system you use. I don't know. It helps people find the podcast. I think something like that. Um, what else, John?
1: I think that's it. We covered Dreamforce. We covered our community. We covered um, yeah. sharing us on the socials, that kind of thing.
0: Okie dokie. Uh, we may not be around some next week or is it the week after that? I think it's the week after. Yeah. I'll be out of town
1: visiting family. What if I did a solo show? Wouldn't that be weird? You pretty much do on just about every episode. (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) You're like, I want to keep this one short. I'm like, all right, I got some stuff. And then you're like, talk the whole time. (laughs) I had some serious conversations I wanted to get into with you, but. Well, maybe we can do that next
0: week. I'm just, I'm really behind. Oh my gosh, I'm just behind on work and stuff. So I can't do one of these. uh, You know, and people will appreciate it. We do kind of do this for free. So (laughs) I
1: know. I don't think anyone can blame us for, you know, keeping it short and trying to get some work done, trying to make some money, feed our family. All
0: right, John. hope, Hope you enjoyed the beer. I did.
1: Yeah.
0: And to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.